Welcome to CPAC's Today in Politics. It's Thursday, June 15th. I'm Julie Van Dusen. Here are the big political stories we're talking about today. Pierre Polyev calls on Marco Mendicino to step down. And now he's lied about his knowledge and role in moving Paul Bernardo from a maximum security penitentiary to a medium security penitentiary. These are too many lies. It's one lie too many. It is time for Marco Mendicino to resign. The parliamentary budget officer finds the investment in the Volkswagen battery plant will be almost $3 billion more than advertised. The government disputes this. When it comes to uh, the PBO report specifically, um, I think uh, the principal uh, point of difference comes when uh, considering the future tax treatment of the VW investment. And a Conservative bill is defeated by the Liberals, Bloc Québécois and NDP, who claim it is a backdoor attempt to open the abortion debate. One thing is certainly clear, Bill C-311 proposed by the Conservatives is yet another in a series of transparent attempts in order to um, give legal status uh, to a fetus here in Canada. I'm now joined by Catherine Lévesque, who's with the National Post on Parliament Hill. Good morning, Catherine. There's lots to talk about. <laughs> yes, absolutely. As Good always. morning, Julie. So let's start with um, Marco Mendicino, because his head is certainly on the chopping block when it comes to the Conservatives anyway. They say, look, it was egregious what he did. He his, He's blaming his staff for not telling him that the notorious rapist and killer, Paul Bernardo, was being transferred from maximum to medium. And uh, this is an outrage for Canadians. Uh, so Marco Mendicino said in the House that he's taking corrective measures. He's going to tell his staff, don't do that again. Does that uh, does that clear him? Is he out of the woods or what? I don't think so. Um, but, you know, as we've seen many, many times, I mean, ministerial accountability doesn't seem to be a thing anymore in the Liberal government. So, look, I, I think, you know, it's it's clear that there are no immediate consequences um, for, for what happened. I mean, clearly, I think Marco Mendicino was not advised that this transfer was happening until after it happened. However, now we we now know that actually his office got the email three months ago um, and was advised just a few days before it actually happened. And his staff seemingly was trying to find a way to, you know, go against this decision or try to make, you know, the correctional services change its mind. Turned out they could not do anything about it. This is an independent decision from the government. But Last just last night, we learned that actually the PMO was also aware of this, and they consulted with you know the the, the Department of Public Safety. So a lot of people Uh-oh. apparently were aware that this was Is happening. Anyone home? Yeah. <laughs> and and look, that this seems to be a pattern. This you know has been going on with Bill Blair and CSIS, and you know and Harjit Sajjan not looking at his emails and. You know, so like a lot of things have been happening, a lot of really important things. And, you know, the ministers are apparently not aware that these things are happening. So it really seems to be a big problem in this government. What I will say is that, you know, it was kind of an interesting timeline yesterday, right? Because, uh, you know, Pierre Polyev calls for Marco Mendicino's resignation. Then we're told that he's going to make an announcement. Then that announcement is delayed and delayed and delayed. And finally, he just puts out a statement saying, 
well, next time I want to be formally advised of any transfers of, you know, high profile criminals like Paul Bernardo, you know, kind of saying, well, look, don't, don't do that again. Do Please that advise again. me. Exactly. <laughs> so th- there are no immediate consequences, but look, I think it's very clear that if there is to be a cabinet shuffle, um, maybe Marco Mendicino might be uh, what, one of the people to, uh, to change portfolios. Yeah. And, and like you say, it's, it's, it's about the compilation of, of when you look around, like you say, Bill Blair, didn't know about Michael Chong because he hadn't seen that email or whatever. And Harjit Sajjan, uh, but when Afghanistan fell to the Taliban, he hadn't read those emails. It makes you wonder if they should go back to carrier pigeon. Like if a pigeon lands on your head <laughs> with the message, you're not going to miss Good it. Good idea. <laughs> like maybe I they, mean, at least they would know things, right? No, at least they would know things. And and I thought the, the block yesterday uh, kind of hit the nail on the head, you know, when Yves-Francois Blanchet said, they keep saying, I didn't know about that. I didn't know. Well, if they don't know, what the hell are they doing is what he said. But I, I guess it just um, adds to kind of the discomfort that this government on the, on the way out the door for the summer is feeling. Absolutely. Especially and when you look at the abacus poll, that says 81% of Canadians want change. That's not a good feeling to have. No, that, that is not a good feeling at all. And, and to be honest, I mean, the liberals have kind of been brushing the, you know, these new numbers off. Um, you know, I, I know Dominic LeBlanc yesterday when he was asked about that very interesting number, I would say he was said, well, I'm, I'm happy with the way things are going. I mean, <laughs> I, I vote at least on one part vote. of the 19 percent. Um, <laughs> um, but look, I mean, I, I think, you know, un- until now, what we've seen is, you know, the liberals kind of brushing off um, for an interference, you know, saying, well, this, this is just noise. Um, you know, everyday Canadians are not really concerned about this. However, on this very specific issue, most Canadians know who Paul Bernardo is and Absolutely. what he did, the horrific things he did. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I think a lot of Canadians would agree with Pierre Polyev that, hey, someone should pay for, for this mistake. You know, either a staff member gets fired, either either Marco Mendicino gets fired. But like this is, you know, this is not acceptable. And it's not acceptable that this information was not known to the minister and that he did not react and he you know he acted all surprised when you know the news actually came out of, of right. this transfer so right. um i i think you know this is public safety once again as we can see is just another area where the liberals are very vulnerable right right um so okay yes no you're right no one wants to cut uh, paul bernardo any slack at all and this is what's going against uh the liberals right now that they they just didn't handle this uh, the way it should have been handled. Let's move on to what the parliamentary budget officer, Yves uh, Giroux, uh, said about uh, the price tag of the Volkswagen deal that the government landed, which was supposed to be about $13 billion in subsidies. He says it's going to be a lot more because of taxes, up to $16 billion. Uh, how, how is that going over? Uh, well, I mean... The, the government disputes that, um, you know, th- this is just yet another example where the, the PBO is being a thorn in the government side. <laughs> you know, we've seen it with the carbon tax, with the clean fuel regulations. Uh, you know, now the PBO decided, um, you know, be- because it is a hot topic right now to kind of look at, well, what is this deal actually going to cost? Um, what I thought was interesting and what I didn't know is that, so 
I mean, the Canada Canada did say that they were giving uh, Volkswagen about the equivalent of what um, you know the the company would have gotten under the IRA, the Inflation Reduction Act, in the United States. Um, but the way it works in the in the states is that the money is tax deductible, whereas in Canada, this money would have counted as income, and you know the company therefore would have had to pay taxes on it. Um, so basically, the P- what the PBO said yesterday is that if Canada wants to live up to what uh, it promised by, you know, ma- basically matching the IRA, it-, it needs to make this money tax free. And so that tax adjustment will cost an additional 2.8 billion. So so that's, you know, kind of that explains the difference. Um, but uh, Finance Minister uh, Christian Freeland, I mean, disputed that said that the government had accounted entirely for the financial implications of the deal in its budget, or at least in its financial statements. Um, and she, she said the PBO is drawing a c- conclusion about how the deal will be taxed, but it's it's not accurate. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that actually, while well, Canada always had the intention of not taxing, you know, Volkswagen with, with this money. So, you know, it's it's yet another example of the the parliamentary budget officer kind of works off numbers and, and, you know, information that is given to him that it requested. And, um, you know, it, maybe it's just another case of the government not giving all the information. Um, a lot of this information in the deal is confidential, is secret, but, you know, the PBO is still doing its job. He's right. going to br- get some conclusions, right? And so, right. Um, you know, well, maybe a bit I, more I, transparency. I, yeah. I heard him in an interview on CPAC last night, and he's sticking to his position. So uh, that this is going to cost more than anticipated. And just to wrap up this file, it brings us to uh, Stellantis, which has stopped operations um, in, in terms of saying, hey, like, look what you gave to Volkswagen. We want something similar. We still don't mm-hmm. know where that one's going. So it's all a question of of these these uh, industrial deals to 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 kind of um, uh, combat what's going on in the states with the IRA. Like uh, it, it's all going to be super expensive, and we don't still don't know what's going on with Stellantis, right? Oh, exactly. And and you know these are just one of few examples. And you know what what's coming. You know because. The, the government, I it seems, you know, is looking at other deals with other companies and, you know, wants to bring, you know, a, a lot of companies back to Canada. So this is just going to cost a lot of money. And uh, it always ends up being more expensive than it actually is. So look, I mean, I understand the PBO kind of sticking to, uh, to his calculations, obviously, very, a lot of very smart people uh, worked on, on this file. But uh, I think it's just a, a reality that we're going to have to live with, you know, if we want to attract big investments, right. uh, we will have to open our collective wallets exactly exactly now i i know that you were covering um a bill that was in the house uh yesterday afternoon at second reading it's a private member's bill by kathy wagenthal and uh those who uh are against abortion have embraced it as an anti-abortion bill the um but a lot of conservatives are saying, uh, no, it's not about that. And Pierre Poilievre himself voted for it, even though in the end, the other parties voted against it. It went down to defeat. So tell me a little bit about this bill and the political ramifications. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, I, I mean, I think, I, you know, it's important to note that Kathy Wagenthal, um, she is, you know, pro-life, uh, you know, so it's not the first time that she's actually put forward some bills uh, that, 
are kind of related to abortion or but the, the the way she does it is that in a way she gives some sort of legal recognition to the fetus right which you know a lot of critics will say well that that's just a backdoor attempt to uh, you know, try to reopen the debate on abortion. But this time she was, you know, she did something else. She did not talk about abortion at all. She did not talk about, you know, um, as she says, unborn children. Um, there's none of that language. What she says is basically if someone is to harm or um, murder a pregnant woman, um, the fact that she is pregnant should be an aggravating circumstance. Um, so that just made it a lot more mild than some of her, uh, you know, is a lot more mild language than some of her other bills. And, and that's what, you know, how she was able to rally people who are, you know, for ab abortion rights, like Michelle Rempel Garner, who said, well, look, I mean, this is not related to abortion at all. This is just, you know, common sense. Of course, if a woman is is pregnant, you know, she might have more chances to be a victim of, of crime. And so this could, should be put into consideration, the fact that she is, you know, carrying a baby. Um, but at the same time, I mean, look, I, this did not sit well with uh, with the liberals, with the Bloc Québécois, with the NDP. Um, once again, they said, look, if, if we get one inch, um, you know, this is just another way of reopening uh, this this abortion debate and uh we want none of that so uh look unsurprisingly it was defeated yesterday it was at second reading in the house of commons um so this bill will not, will not go to committee it will not go to third reading you know this bill is just it's it's done um but you know it's it's just once again another attempt by kathy wagenthal to kind of bring something in the past she had done it with same-sex support uh, with um uh sorry some sort uh, sex of selection. sex selection sex selective yes like, like you uh, should abortions. be able to if you know that you've got a girl baby or a boy baby whatever and that's not what you want you should not be allowed to abort it yeah yes absolutely and yeah. um, so so she had presented that she has also presented something very similar where um you know let's say there there's a crime committed against a pregnant uh, woman well you know basically we should have two counts of of assault or, or murder or you know basically for for two people um so that did, did not pass but you know yet again this was just another um another attempt on on her part to kind of you know yeah push the conversation further. right and, to, uh, to as you say by giving the fetus more legal status as opposed to considering it part of the mother more legal status for the fetus undermines abortion rights, right? So, but what? So, let me just finish on this. How do, how does Pierre Proliev get to use this? Because he calls himself pro-choice, but he voted for this. I mean, mm -hmm. I know I know it went down to defeat, but how does he get to use it politically, if that's what he's trying to do? Well, I I think you know he will use just the argument of common sense, right? You know, he's he's been doing it a lot, but also public safety. You know, the conservatives and and. Pierre Polyev hasn't spoken to that bill uh, directly, uh, but certainly a lot of his MPs have. And, and they said, look, this has nothing to do with abortion. This is about public safety. This is common sense. Of course, if there is a pregnant woman, I mean, there should be an aggravating circumstance because of the fact that she's, you know, she's pregnant and she was maybe targeted because of that. At the same time, what they're not saying is that the criminal code already has, you know, has some provisions where, you know, if you're targeted because of your sex, because of your gender, um, because of, you know, any health circumstances, I mean, of course, that can be an aggravating circumstance and judge could decide to give a harsher sentence. 
um, to someone who has targeted a pregnant woman. So, so you know, that was into the punishment. A judge can actually um, has a discretion to take that into the punishment. Absolutely. But Um, yes, it will be a tricky one for Pierre Polyev because of course the liberals are going to raise this yet again. eh? They're they're going to say, well, yes, Mr. Polyev did support this bill. And they're going to say, he look, this is proof he wants to reopen well, the, the debate. Actually, because I'm such a geek and a nerd, he actually did talk about it a little bit yesterday on his way into caucus. Um, and he basically said he saw it as a pro-choice bill, as in the choice of a woman to stay safe when they're pregnant and not be attacked by someone. But anyway, I, I think, yeah. like you say, he'll make the common sense argument it's common sense to protect a a pregnant woman from assault give her more protection uh this is not an an abortion issue but anyway so that's kind of a little bit of what was going on parliament hill today so let's see what happens today it's a whole new day absolutely (laughs) have a great one Catherine, and i'll see you soon Catherine levesque with the national post now let's take a look at what political columnists commentators and editorialists are saying today In the Toronto Star, Penny Collinet considers what we've learned from David Johnson's eagerness to serve. She writes, when asked if he regretted taking the assignment as independent special rapporteur on foreign interference, David Johnson replied, when asked to serve, you do so. But in this time of extreme partisanship and malevolent disinformation, just wanting to serve or accepting to serve is not enough. Serving the public in 2023 requires one to be a new age warrior wearing a thick skin of invisible Teflon. It comes with insults, injuries, and smears. For women working in the public eye, it means taunts, harassment, and misogynistic comments. In the Globe and Mail, Lawrence Martin considers what the charges against Donald Trump mean for our neighbor to the South. He writes, forget the idea that Donald Trump will again be president of the United States. There's now a much better chance he'll be behind bars. Politically, he is likely to maintain his imposing lead in his campaign for the Republican nomination. But though his base might remain loyal, there's next to no chance that he could broaden that support to win a general election. If he's nominated, Democrats would be well positioned to rout the Republicans. But these charges could tip the scales and force the Republicans to quit defending him and bring forward a far more electable nominee. The political scenarios are wild and without parallel. Now here's what's coming up on today's political agenda. The Prime Minister will be in Ottawa in private meetings. Deputy Prime Minister Christia Freeland will be in Toronto, also in private meetings. Foreign Affairs Minister Melanie Jolie will host an international virtual ministerial meeting on Haiti. NDP leader Jagmeet Singh will be in Winnipeg, where he'll speak at the Manitoba Federation of Labour Political Action Conference. Green Party leader Elizabeth May will speak with the media about her party's response to a parliamentary budget officer report. In Osgoode, Ontario, Rural Economic Development Minister Goody Hutchings will make an announcement about improving high-speed internet access in rural eastern Ontario. And International Trade Minister Mary Ng will announce support for entrepreneurs at the Global 2SL GBTQ1 Plus Business Summit and Supplier Diversity Forum in Kingston, Ontario. That's CPAC Today in Politics for Thursday, June 15th. Tune in to Primetime Politics tonight on CPAC for coverage of all the day's events. I'm Julie Van Dusen. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.